Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and this is season two of the Paychecks Business Series podcast. As you know already, I'm a certified public accountant and a regular business columnist for a bunch of publications you probably read, like The Guardian, The Hill, The Washington Times, Forbes, Philadelphia Inquirer, Entrepreneur, and others. But most importantly, I'm a small business owner of a financial and technology management services company. I've teamed up with Paychecks, the leading provider of human resources, payroll, benefits, and insurance services to bring you real-life stories and advice from real-life business owners and experts. Last season, we talked about the challenges associated with COVID-19, and this season, we're focusing on moving forward, innovating, and navigating the road to recovery. I have a great guest today. It is Thad Inge, who's the Senior Manager for Government Relations at Paychex, which basically means that, Thad, I guess you handle anything related to the government that impacts Paychex and its customers. Is that a fair description of what you do? Yep, I think that's fair. I'm uh... The boots on the ground in, in Washington, so I'm down here in Washington, and then we have a lot of other folks um, doing sort of analysis of legislation and regulations in Rochester as well. So we have a big team, but um, I'm down here uh, sort of boots on the ground. That's great. And what's your background? I was at the SBA before um, before I came to Paychex. I was um, at the Small Business Administration for six years where I ran their Office of Congr- Congressional and Legislative Affairs. And before that, I was on the Senate Small Business Committee. Um, so I have a small business policy background. That's great. All right. So let's, um, let's cut to the chase. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch of issues now. We're recording this just a few days after um, it was announced that, that President-elect Biden is, in fact, our president-elect. Obviously, you know, there, there are some, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, moves being made by uh, President Trump to contest that, but as it seems right now, it looks that way. Um, so, assuming we do have a President Biden come January, um, and assuming that um, we'll talk about the, where where Congress stands as well, um, you know, you know, you this is you're up to your eyeballs in anything related to small business and uh, the federal government. So, question one. That will there be a, tim- a stimulus this year? This year is a uh, an interesting uh, caveat you had in there. I think there will be a stimulus. The big question is, do they get it done before uh, Christmas, or does it get punted until January, February? And I think that's still a fifty-fifty. I know um, McConnell and Pelosi have both said they want to get it done this year. Um, apparently, Biden supports that. I think uh, Trump and Mnuchin will be less involved. Um, going forward. Um, but it's still, you know, probably a, a pretty significant challenge to get it over the finish line in, in short order. Um, so we are very hopeful. We think it's needed. We think small businesses would really benefit. And we would uh, prefer not to wait until January or February to get it done. Um, but I think eventually we will get it. So regarding the stimulus, I know one big sticking point is funding for the states and other localities. But I know another sticking point that impacts this audience is business liabilities. And the last that I saw was that uh, you know the Republicans and, and McConnell were very, very much adamant about having some protection for businesses uh, that incurred you know potential liabilities from employees or customers that said they uh, you know contracted COVID at their facilities, but the Democrats were against that. Has there been any change to these positions? Not really. I mean, uh, in the negotiations leading up uh, right before the election, that was still one of the outstanding sticking points. Um, I think that you know there is room for compromise. Um, they haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, but I, uh, you know, I could foresee there, you know, it being in there because it is a top priority for McConnell. 
um, but perhaps being, you know, a little more watered down than, than he would prefer. Paycheck Protection Program, I know that there is um, the inclusion of the Paycheck Protection Program in both the Democrats and the Republicans' bills, the House bill, the Senate bill, uh, that would need to be, you know, that is still being discussed. Um, you know, there's been a lot of news lately about fraud in the Paycheck Protection Program. Do you think that that might have an impact on whether or not there will be, you know, PPP included in the next stimulus? I think it'll be in there. I think there's still strong bipartisan support uh, for it. And I think most people understand that it's needed. I think most people on the Hill do see the program as a success. Obviously, um, you know, there were businesses that got the loans that, that some people feel like shouldn't have. Um, and then there's the fraud piece, uh, which wasn't small. But when you look at the scope of the program and how many people got loans, um, I think that, uh, you know, they might try to put extra protections in the bill. Um, they're already going to make it uh, a little more targeted in terms of who can apply and who can get these. Um, but I don't think it's going to derail, you know, it being in the next stimulus bill. January is going to come. I think January 5th, there was a runoff, two runoff elections in Georgia um, that could decide uh, the balance of the Senate. So, you know, if if the Republicans win at least one of those elections, um, they will remain at least uh, you know one vote ahead in the Senate. If the Republicans lose both of those elections in Georgia, uh, it'll be a 50-50 split in the Senate, as things stand now, uh, with with you know Vice President at the time Kamala Harris having the deciding vote. So, how does this impact small businesses? That I mean, do we, you know, should we care if you know about the results of this Georgia runoff? Regardless of what happens in Georgia, it's going to be extremely close, obviously, in the Senate. So even if you have 50-50, uh, it does have impacts because it, um, you know, who the committee chairs are um, are impacted, who sort of sets the schedule as majority leader is impacted. Um, but regardless, it's going to be, you know, extremely close. And so I think, um, you know, whatever happens, uh, we're looking at um, close to a divided government. So when you look at uh, big initiatives like raising corporate taxes or, or passing a public option for health care, I think they would have a challenge um, regardless of what happens, because um, if it was 50-50, you would just need one moderate Democrat to say, you know, I'm not comfortable sort of going there. Um, and... Uh, and so, but, but obviously, you know, in terms of getting through some of those bigger things, it would have a better shot for Democrats um, if they were in the majority. Um, I think most people think that Republicans will probably hold on to at least one of those seats, and we're likely looking at a divided government. Um, the business community has been pretty happy with that um, because, you, you, um, you know, you get the stability uncertainty of a of a Biden White House, which many expect to be a, a sort of more traditional um, White House than Trump. Um, but you also have that backstop in the Senate um, on some of these bold proposals around, you know, health care, um, Green New Deal, uh, taxes, that kind of thing uh, will likely be moderated by uh, uh, by the Senate. You know, I just finished that reading. Um, Robert Caro is a historian and and he's written, you know, of three volumes and he's working on his fourth about the uh, life and times of Lyndon Johnson. And, uh, you know, there was one, you know, called Master of the Senate. He was the, um, you know, he was the Senate leader. He was Mitch McConnell of his day. And Caro, you know, is fascinating when he talks about the Senate and how, you know, it was designed to be sort of like above 
the mob rule of the house. You know, you yep. had senators that that's why they're elected for a six year term. Um, a lot of senators can um, be a little bit more think longer term national interests of the country and um, might be that much more prone to vote against just things just, you know, against a party line um, because that's just the nature of, of, of who they are as senators and the length of time that they're in there. And I, I guess my question to you is, you know, given that, and I'm assuming that you, I mean, spend some time with the Senate Small Business Committee, you probably agree with that. Um, you know, the, a 50-50 split, even a 50-50 split in the Senate with one deciding vote from the vice president, I mean, it does not seem like, you know, senators don't all the time vote along the party lines. Is that is that fair? Yep. And first, let me say, if you had asked what my favorite books were, I probably would have said Caro's LBJ books. I, I've read them all. They're in the bookshelf right behind me, and, and I love those books. They're fantastic. And you know what's incredible is that LBJ is, and we can talk about this some other time, but I mean, what a complex guy and fascinating guy. And uh, you know, turn the Senate around from a, basically a body that was, you know, a legislative body that was doing nothing for decades. Yep. Unbelievable. You know, and growing up, I didn't really think that much about LBJ. I mean, you don't learn about him like you do the other um, other presidents. And uh, after reading those books, I think he's, you know, probably the most fascinating uh, president we've had. But um, but as you said, a conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, I mean, traditionally, you know, you need 60 votes to get big things done in the Senate. That's sort of how it's always worked because of the filibuster. To get over the filibuster, you need 60 votes. And so that has always required, you know, rarely does do you have a majority that big. So that's always required a bipartisan buy-in. Um, there, through um, some different procedures, um, like one called reconciliation, where you can pass something with 51 votes, that's been watered down a little bit. Um, now for nominees, you just need uh, 51 votes to say get a cabinet nominee through. Um, but uh, there's always been that tradition of independence in the Senate. And there's always been the, the idea that one senator, because of the filibuster, one senator can make a, you know, make a big difference. Uh, in the House, it's kind of majority, you know, the, the speaker sets the agenda, majority runs it. Um, but in the Senate, one senator can really can really change things. And so uh, you have someone like a Joe Manchin, who's a, a moderate Democrat, um, who if you had a 50-50 Senate, he would be hugely important. And even at 49 or, or, or 48, um, because, uh, you know, either side is going to need that vote. Uh, same with like a Susan Collins or a Lisa Murkowski. Um, and so the moderates, I think, are going to play a big role in what does get done. Um, but I think that um, issues like infrastructure, uh, the stimulus, obviously, um, maybe some bipartisan legislation on uh, retirement, uh, where they've been able to find some, some, um, some bipartisan areas. Um, but the more divisive issues, I think, are going to uh, have, have trouble moving forward. Yeah. And I guess the takeaway, if you're a, you're running a business, is that, listen, I mean, the media is going to be hyping up the Georgia runoffs a lot in January. But really, in the end, um, regardless of how they, they play out, um, it's the Senate that's going to have, you know, you know, the power. And because there's so many moderate members of the Senate are enough, they could really individually make a difference. So um, and I think because of that, we won't be seeing, like you just said, anything significant regarding health care or taxes. Um, at least in the next two years before the next uh, the, the midterm elections cause. However, 
Um, there is a lot of stuff that Biden can do and a Biden administration could do that could impact small businesses. So let me shift over to uh, you know executive orders um, and then also to the Department of Labor. So for starters, um, Biden has already announced that he's going to be pulling back on some executive orders that Trump um, had issued, President Trump had issued uh, specifically for immigration and participation in the, you know, the Paris Climate Agreement and um, things like that. I also read that it's likely that he's going to reverse, uh, you know, the president's executive orders. Some of them related to healthcare, like association health plans. Do you have any any insight on that? Because that clearly impacts our audience. Yeah. So, and we actually had a call on this yesterday, and are, are watching this closely on the healthcare side. Um, so most Democrats were clearly against a, a slew of the of the Trump um, executive orders on health care that came out um, because they were really seen as a way to get around um, ACA. Um, and so I could see like association health plans, which has been tied up in the courts anyway. It hasn't really um, gone into effect. Um, I could see that definitely going away. Um, there are a few other ones like um, uh, one called ICRA, which is the um, HRAs that allow um, people to go to the individual markets and use a health uh, reimbursement account to, to buy on the individual market. And then there's one on short-term limited duration insurance, uh, which are these healthcare plans that, yep, that don't have all the, and, you know, the, the tricky part with that is while Biden definitely didn't like them and they run counter to kind of um, the goals of the ACA, um, undoing them is not necessarily as simple because, uh, folks that, that are using those right now could end up losing their insurance. And so I do expect they'll be very careful. I don't think they want to, um, you know, kick a lot of people off their insurance. And so how they tackle that, I think, is unclear. Um, but I think their goal, as Biden said throughout the campaign, will be to, um, to pursue um, health care policies that really support the ACA and bolster the ACA. And so um, that does, you know, run opposite to some of the to some of the um, executive orders that that Trump put out. Yeah, you know, the short term plans, those skinny plans are not they're, they're not that great. I, I think President Trump's point was to try and give employers more options. And that's fair enough. But they really do run contradictory to the Affordable Care Act. I, I have to say, though, the health the health reimbursement accounts, though, um, have been very popular among some of my clients. Yep. And I know yep. they'd, be, they'd be sorry to see them go. And I wonder if, you know, if the administration will take that into consideration. Yep. For the ICRAs, which is a form of the health reimbursement accounts, those are really just now getting off the ground. And there's been a lot of interest in them. And, um, and so it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, and they haven't said they're going to, they haven't said they're going to get rid of those. It's just something that they weren't necessarily for initially. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, other executive orders or actually orders from the government that do infect businesses, I, I think, you know, our biggest risk, if, you, if I want to use that word, but the one that we should be most concerned about is coming from the Labor Department. Um, what could the Labor Department do that, that, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily need congressional approval. Let me, let me, let me first of all ask one. There's been a big push for a national $15 an hour minimum wage, um, but that needs an act by Congress to do that, correct? Yep, yep. So it's not as if a labor secretary can, can issue that and, and it takes place around the country. So that, that could be a pretty big challenge in a divided Congress. But how about some other things like, um, you know, overtime wages and, and regulation on employees and even independent contracting? Yeah, and I think the first one I would say is enforcement. Um, and there are some areas where where 
Trump really kept up the same level of enforcement um, coming out of the Obama administration. And then there are other areas where um, I think it has slacked off some. And so I could see um, a Biden administration really ramping up enforcement, which obviously would impact small businesses. Um, OSHA, I had a, someone asked me about OSHA yesterday, and I said, yeah, I could see you know enforcement at OSHA uh, really stepping up. Some of the benefits plans, uh, uh, the same idea um, around ERISA. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's the big sort of um, enforcement piece at DOL, which we're watching very closely, um, that uh, small businesses would need to be prepared for. And then over time's a, a perfect example where, you know, Obama had the role where the where the threshold was was around forty eight thousand dollars. I think it was close close to fifty thousand dollars. Trump came in and said that's too high. Um, he came out and ended up finalizing a rule uh, with the threshold at about thirty five thousand um, dollars. Biden has said that he supported uh, the Obama rule, not the Trump rule. Um, you know, I don't. I think the question for me is where something like that falls on the priority list. The fact that they just finalized this, that role, is that really the first thing Biden does when he comes in? Um, I assume not, but, but that's definitely one. And then um, paid leave, obviously another big one. Um, a lot happening at the state level. I think to really do a comprehensive paid leave, you probably would need to, um, to pass something through Congress. Um, and, and that could be an area where there's some bipartisan support, depending on, you know, where you sort of how you structured it. Um, and uh, and then the joint employer issues, obviously, they had the big um, ballot initiative out in California around Uber and Lyft drivers. Um, but there's a lot you can do around joint employer without legislation that I know, like franchisors are really concerned about that. Um, because they don't want sort of additional liability. Um, and so I think there's going to be lots of activity at DOL. Um, I don't think that, you know, it'll be one size fits all. I don't think it's going to all be harmful for small businesses, but I think uh, there will be rules that, that present challenges for small businesses. I had heard um, that Biden supported like um, eliminating like non-compete clauses as well. Does that, does that ring a bell to you from, from employment agreements? I'm not as familiar with that specifically, but um, but I'm throwing you a curveball. No, that's fine, but but that doesn't sound, you know, arbitration and and um, and also uh, when you look at some of the um, like the Pro Act was the bill that was um, passed through the House and got stalled in the Senate that that had a lot of uh, sort of big labor issues in there, like joint employer issues, but also card check, and that was one Biden uh, was um, supportive of. And that's one that won't go anywhere, you know, with a with a um, in the Senate. Because of the uh, potential activity that could happen in the Labor Department, there's been some rumors that even you know Bernie Sanders could be nominated to be Labor Secretary, which I think uh, instills fear in the hearts of some business owners. Um, how likely is that, particularly in a divided Congress and even a divided Senate? So I think that's one of the areas where the divided Congress um, does change things a lot. Um, you know, whether it's 50-50 um, or, or, you know, 51-49 or 52-48, or I think that um, Biden was probably, you know, that probably wouldn't have been his first choice. Um, but there was a lot of pressure from progressives in the party to, you know, to look at someone like an Elizabeth Warren at Treasury, a Bernie Sanders at, at Department of Labor. And I think the it's 
it's probably not realistic that they could be confirmed in the Senate. Um, even though the threshold's just 51 now, I think it would be a, a heavy lift. And, um, and it kind of gives um, Biden an excuse to move in a more moderate direction. And so I think it's pretty unlikely. Now, you know, he, he probably will need to put one or two progressives in his cabinet or try to, to, um, to you know, appease uh, the base. Um, but I don't think we'll see, you know, personally, I don't think we'll see a Bernie Sanders at, at the Department of Labor. That, I mean, as you as you had mentioned earlier, there was the uh, you know joint employer um, issues that that Biden uh, Biden administration might be you know addressing. One of them was um, you know a law that was passed in California that was really uh, you know uh, you know controversial and and uh, you know opposed by some of the larger um, ride sharing companies like Uber and Lyft, and and the law was really restricted their use of independent contractors. I mean, in effect, what it said was um, if you're using an independent contractor to generate revenue uh, for your business, like you're billing them out like an Uber driver. Um, in many cases, you would have to classify those people as employees. And uh, the law actually voters voted against the law. So uh, in, you know, in this recent election, so the big ride sharing companies sort of, you know, you know, dodged a bullet on that one. But Biden himself, uh, when he was d- during all of this has, has publicly expressed his support for the law, which to me means that he supports change um, our current rules around independent contracting um, it, it, to such an extent that it could really favor uh, reclassifying a lot of independent contractors as employees. And that can have a huge effect among many small businesses, including mine, because I use about a dozen. So what is, what is your thoughts on that, Dad? Do you think that it's likely to happen under a Biden administration? This is an issue where we have seen a lot of back and forth between administrations. So um, the rules under Obama were a little tighter around independent contractors, and then they loosened up under under Trump, both at DOL and EEOC. And I think you could see um, Biden tightening those back up again. Um, and, and my issue with it is, is I really think it's an antiquated system. When you look at uh, these employee classifications, um, we, you know, I think uh, the independent contractor um, model uh, really um, promotes entrepreneurship, which we like a lot at, at Paychex. And so I was glad to see um, the turnout in California. Um, but there are also challenges. You know, we would love to be able to provide benefits to, to, these, um, to these independent contractors through their employers. That obviously isn't allowed. And so we're almost dealing with, a, you know, an antiquated system that hasn't kept up with the, with the changing workforce. And so I think that, you know, we could see some changes under under Biden, but really we'd like to see sort of the whole thing revamped, uh, which allows for this new model of worker um, to sort of be independent, but also have some avenues to get uh, good benefits. And I would also advise you, know, if you're listening to this, that this is not just a, de- a Department of Labor issue. It, it, it's an IRS issue. It's, you know, it's a tax issue. And the IRS has specific rules around independent contractors. So it really, you know, it, it matters who, uh, you know, a President Biden um, has as not only as Labor Secretary, but also Treasury Secretary as well, and where they stand on these things. So we just have to keep an eye out, yep. um, you know, and, and pay close attention. All right. Final question then, Thad. Um, 
you know, look, and I, and I realize you're not in President-elect Biden's head, um, you're, you know, so, you know, but you've got, you, you're in the middle of, this is your job, you're in Washington, you're seeing what's going on right now, you, you, you have to give advice and your input to your employers at paychecks, and, and probably the biggest issue that has been affecting small business voters this election year, and I think some, you know, you know a reason why, um, you know, President-elect Biden has struggled in, in some areas, like Florida, for example, um, to get a lot of small business support was just that the fear that he may shut down the economy in the wake of increasing COVID cases and deaths and all of that um, has given some pause to small business owners. Um, I, and again, you know, you, you know, I'm not saying at all that you know the answer to this question, but I'm just curious as to your thoughts on this. Do you think, you know, knowing what you know, do you think that's that 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 could happen? That's likely. I think it's unlikely we have a shutdown in the same way we had in March, April, and May, um, where it really did feel like everything shut down, at least in, you know, I'm in the DC area. Um, and it was, it was a real shutdown, which obviously had huge impacts on, you know, the economy and small businesses. I don't think we're going to see that again. Um, if the numbers tick up, uh, you know, continue to tick up, um, you know, will there be some targeted sort of additional rules around restaurants, bars, you know, that kind of thing? I could see that. And I think that is um, obviously very scary for those industries that have, have already been through a lot. Um, you know, my hope, if, if we do face that, my hope would be that the stimulus, whatever stimulus package is passed, kind of recognizes that and tries to help those businesses, you know, get over the hump. And so I, um, but, you know, based on what Biden said, it seems like he's he has said first that he, he will follow the doctors, you know, the scientists advice. So I don't think he's ruled those out. Um, but I think um, he's also said his his goal is not to, to shut down the economy. Um, and so we're hoping that, you know, there can be that middle ground where we keep um, everyone safe to the extent possible, but also don't have some kind of wholesale shutdown like we did in March. Thad Inge is the Senior Manager for Government Relations at Paychex. Thank you, Thad, so much. Your, your insights are great. And um, we'll be coming back to you again in the not-too-distant future. I'd like to um, hear your thoughts on how things are progressing, both in the Senate and Congress and, and with this new administration. For more great podcast episodes from the Paychex Business Series podcast and other information to help you run your business, please visit paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. I'm Gene Marks. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you again soon. This podcast is property of Paychex Inc. 2020, all rights reserved.